Hello everyone and welcome to Games Are Fun, the weekly video game podcast that covers news, trending industry topics, and reviews on recent game releases. My name is Luke Armstrong and I am your host. Joining me today is my co-host Adam Beagle. Adam, how are you doing? Uh, I'm, I'm hanging in there. You're hanging and, in there? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so we're about to head into June. Yeah. And which is normally a really exciting time because we have E3, we have GDQ, we have all these things. And uh, now we don't really have any of that this year. So I'm, I'm a little bummed every time I think about it. I'm like, mm-hmm. this should be GDQ time. <laughs> it's, it's not it's not going to be here because um, that's been delayed till August. So yeah. normally once GDQ is over, I get what's called the uh, post GDQ blues. Yeah. And now I have the no GDQ blues. And um, so, yeah, it makes me a little sad. Yeah. Uh, ESA is is running a marathon. They started uh, Thursday and it's ending Sunday. So tomorrow. <clears throat> so it's giving me a little bit of that that taste of uh, speed, speed running, running marathons. Yeah. <laughs> but it's it's all like, you know, it's all remote. So it's, it's not quite the same, mm-hmm. but it is sort of, uh, you know, it's, it, it's an OK fill in for now, I guess. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I hear you. Like it's it's a weird time because it's it's starting June and it's just natural that we and don't like like we're gonna talk about in this episode. We got lots of stuff to look forward to, but it's just so different this year with everything going on. Um, you know, I miss the. We were just talking before the show about uh, some of the E three predictions that we made last year, and we still plan on doing predictions this year, but it's gonna be kind of different, right? Because everyone's doing their events at different times some some are a part of like showcases put on by other companies some people are doing their own um so it's it's really yeah i i I understand where you're coming from of missing something that uh is normal for this time of year but uh there's still lots of exciting things to talk about which we for sure we got one to talk one big topic to talk about and uh some predictions for this episode so the reason for the delay actually on this episode before I get into it, that is basically, well, it mainly was because of some scheduling and when we could record, but then it just turned out that Sony announced that they were going to do a state of play on The Last of Us Part 2. So we're like, great, let's, uh, let's do our reactions and impressions on that. And then even before we got to re- recording today, Sony has announced that the PlayStation 5 event and kind of like reveal of the PlayStation 5 is happening next week on June 4th. So that's what this episode's going to be today. We're going to talk about The Last of Us Part 2 state of play and then we're going to go into our PS5 predictions. So things that we kind of expect Sony to announce next week, whether it's games, whether it's features, um, you know, some some more hardware specs whatever that's what we're going to be talking about in this episode and then next week you can kind of expect right after the event we're going to try to plan it so that this um all our reactions to the ps5 event air that evening or the next morning or something like that so yeah it's it's starting to feel like that typical summer of video game announcements so it's it's very comforting that we're getting into that time especially with everything going on in the world right now um it would be great to kind of see some things to to celebrate and uh be happy about i guess so so 
that's what the episode looks like today. But just a reminder that the podcast airs every week. I wanted to mention that we're going to kind of stop saying that it airs every Tuesday uh, just because the next couple months we're going to have a bunch of different things shown to us in the industry, right? There's going to be a bunch of developers and companies revealing games. Uh, you know, there's lots of stuff with PS5 and then we have Xbox Series X coming up. Like there's so many announcements going to be made over the next couple months that it makes sense rather than always scheduling a podcast on to release on Tuesday that we just stick to releasing one a week. So one week it might release on a Friday, the next week it might release on the Wednesday. You know, some weeks we might have a longer gap in between episodes, whereas other weeks we might only have a couple days, right? Uh, the reason why we want to do that, obviously, is because if we stick to a schedule on Tuesday, and we've run into this problem before, Adam, where we end up doing an episode and then news hits on Wednesday and it's like crap that would be awesome to talk about <laughs> and then we try to talk about it the next week but by then it's kind of old news right and maybe we've even gotten two or three bigger news stories since then and then we don't even talk about that big thing that happened the week prior so that's kind of where we want to structure the show going forward at least for the next couple months um, and then maybe into the fall when things settle down a bit it might change back to to a more specific schedule releasing on a specific day, but that's kind of where we're at right now. So just a heads up on that. Uh, so with that, for those of you who haven't checked out the show before, each week Adam and myself join together to discuss the biggest topics in the video game industry and share opinions on new game releases. The show is available on all major podcast services such as Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Anchor. Just search for Games Are Fun on whatever podcast service you use and we should show up. If you want to help support this podcast, make sure you subscribe on whatever platform you use. If you listen on Apple Podcasts, please consider leaving the show a review. Small things like subscribing and leaving reviews help us grow the show and help us find new listeners. All right. Uh, I don't really have any housekeeping notes besides everything that I've kind of already mentioned. So I guess uh, unless you have anything, Adam, we can probably just get right into The Last of Us State of Play. Yes, yeah, sounds good to me. All right, so yeah, last week, early in the week, Sony said that uh, we were getting another state of play and it was going to be a Last of Us 2 presentation. And this comes really soon after we just had, well, last episode, we were just talking about Ghost of Tsushima state of play that was presented a couple weeks ago. So uh, yeah, first off, off the bat, before we go into talking about this, how do you feel about Sony using the state of play for specific games like Ghosts and uh, Last of Us? I think it's okay. Um, you know, it's something that Nintendo's been doing for a while. So, yeah. you know, I'm kind of kind of used to getting these games specific, uh, you know, uh, directs and, and now state of plays um, just sort of through that conditioning. So I, mm-hmm. I think it's fine. Um, getting those kind of extended deep dive looks into games are... are um, actually kind of really nice to see mm-hmm. um you know sometimes you get events where you see a couple minutes of a game and that's it and you're kind of like well but what is this game really and um you know i, I think that was that was kind of the sense people were getting with ghost of tsushima so whenever mm-hmm. they finally gave that state of play it really gave people an idea of what that game was going to be with uh the last of us part two it probably wasn't as necessary because i think people people know what they're getting because mm-hmm. 
you know, most of us have played the original Last of Us or, or many people have played the original Last of Us. So we know what that game is. And even if you haven't played it, you know, you could have easily seen uh, gameplay and stuff on YouTube or Twitch or whatever at this point. So um, I, I think it's it's certainly less of a surprise, but yeah. it is nice. I, I think it's a good way to, to show um, more more of a game and, and kind of how that game is going to operate. So I'm okay with it. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it makes sense for the first-party games to have that attention because, like you said, in a normal presentation, you maybe get... Uh, if it's a bigger AAA game and especially a first party game, if it's paired up with all these other announcements in, in a presentation, you know, sometimes it, it doesn't necessarily stand out as much or there's not enough time to focus on getting into the, the gritty details of how the systems work or how the gameplay works and everything like that. So I, yeah, I was glad to really get that with Ghost. And like you said, I wasn't too surprised when they announced that they were going to do that for The Last of Us. I mean, it made it made sense just based purely from a marketing perspective that we're only a couple weeks out from the game. There's going to be one big push of showing this game off before we get into uh, release, right? So, I uh, I like that Sony is kind of using the state of play brand to do that. Um, I don't know if they're going to now that we've had two with these game specific state of plays, it'll be interesting to see if they do go back. Cause it has been a while. I think last December is when we got a regular state of play. Will Sony do that? Um, it doesn't sound like the, the they're using state of play branding for the PS five reveal next week. But um, I think if they just take this state of play and use it for first party titles like they're doing, I think that's a great use of them doing digital presentations moving forward. So and uh, I saw some a bit of discussion online about the placement of these with Ghosts obviously releasing after uh, Last of Us Part Two in July, and then how they just how they put the Ghost of Tsushima State of Play first before this one also kind of makes sense, right? Because it's like if they put Last of Us and then put Ghosts, it it kind of you know, this this gives us the ability to get excited, get hyped for The Last of Us. And then you can expect, again, probably a couple of weeks out from Ghost, we're going to probably get one more, not necessarily a state of play, but we're going to get some more trailers or some new looks at things, whether it's on their own releasing on YouTube or something like that, or like uh, pairing up with IGN and talking about the game or something like that, doing a IGN first or preview or whatever. So, yeah, and I think too this really clears the way for the the PlayStation Five event because mm-hmm. these are going to be the last two first yeah. party PlayStation games to That's come out point. before PlayStation Five. So, um, you know, then this way you can go into the event knowing that you've already, you know, given out information for your other two major games that are coming out for the current gen, mm-hmm. and that leaves it wide open to just go all in on on PS Five stuff. So. For sure. So let's just jump into The Last of Us Part Two state of play. So Matt Kim over at IGN did an awesome job of listing a whole bunch of bullet points on everything that we kind of learned, all the details, talking about the combat, talking about the gameplay, talking a little bit about the environment and location. So I'm going to be using that as a source to kind of go through these different things and then we'll kind of spin off and 
expand on what which points we wanted to expand on so like I said last uh, earlier this week we got that presentation it was about 20 minutes um, and we saw some things that we had kind of already seen and then that we actually got a more uh, a big clip at the end of just straight gameplay so where I'm gonna start is with this where the article starts with talking about locations and map details so first of all uh, let's start off with The Last of Us Part 2 picks up several years after the events of the first game after they settle in the relatively peaceful settlement in Jackson, Wyoming. Uh, Ellie is 19 at the start of the sequel. The game will cover expansive parts of the world, including real-life locations. The game will take place over multiple seasons and climates, from the snow-capped mountains of Jackson to the lush Pacific Northwest. Naughty Dog has put great detail in re into recreating the real cities the maps are based on. Seattle will be another location Ellie visits on her journey. Along with jumping, Ellie will be able to use ropes to traverse a more open and expansive map or find hidden secrets. Naughty Dog says The Last of Us Part Two will be some of the biggest the studio's developers have ever created. And then horses and boats will also help Ellie traverse the larger maps. So I wanted to start off by saying that uh, yeah, I really loved how the first game had that kind of, you know, variety and locations in it, right? You, you, Joel and Ellie are going through different parts of the United States um, and going through different seasons. And that was something that really stuck out to me while playing The Last of Us. So I was really glad to see that we're kind of having that formula back where we are going to go through different seasons and go through different locations with different environments. Um, even if the environments aren't that different from each other, that thing about seasons and just making it seem like time is passing and you're, you're kind of along for the ride on these people as they go through their life in this apocalyptic world. That was one thing in The Last of Us that I really appreciated. It didn't feel like it was this event that's happening at this one specific moment in time in this one specific location. Um, it's, it's more, I, I think that that really helps build a strong narrative. And um, so I'm, I'm glad, and I wasn't really that surprised to see that they're kind of continuing that. Um, how do you feel about some of the locations that they showed off in the trailer, um, including some of the, you know, weather elements as well you know the snow uh they showed i think it was in seattle with like rain and thunder i think i read somewhere i don't know if this is actually in this article but they also talk about uh uh procedurally generated weather and stuff like that how do you feel about the locations that they showed off um i think i think it'll turn out pretty good i know they did uh in the first game we got to see a little bit of boston and pittsburgh mm -hmm. Um, which again, they, they did a really great job with those. I mean, seeing them go on like a, and, and those are just kind of very, um, tight portions of those cities. So if they decide to go like pretty big mm -hmm. with this, um, I, I think it'll be really interesting to, to see that. And then of course, um, you know, like, like you mentioned that variety of locations and, um, how things can feel really different based on the weather is, is something that was was really great and and it kind of helped tell the story like the locations and the weather helped tell that story in a really meaningful way i i felt mm -hmm. um <clears throat> so i think them kind of doing that again like it, it's it's 
they're they're kind of going back to uh, the you know the same formula they had in the first game, but it, it was a you know something that was really well done. So I expect this to be really well done too. Yeah, environmental storytelling is something that I think when it's done really well, it really stands out in a video game. And I think it's something that a lot of video games overlook, right? They just put games in locations, whether real or, you know, fictional that they made up. It's it's just a place for your characters to be and to tell a story. But using the locations and the journey or the adventure, you know, that's what makes a good video game. I think that's why we talk uh, when we were talking about Final Fantasy VII, right? On how Midgar's is, their stories just looking at the place right you can tell things by the way the city is set up and the different sectors and the layout of certain sections um it's telling a story and i think triple a games that put an emphasis on the locations will make it ultimately a better experience for the player so yeah i'm really looking forward it also looked like in scene and i think they maybe touch on this in the gameplay part of this article but how the the areas of exploration look a little bit bigger it's not like it's mm-hmm. something like a big open mm-hmm. world um but it reminded me similar to did you ever play uncharted the lost legacy i did not play that one no so obviously you've played uncharted though and yes. mm-hmm. uncharted is very linear narrative game and so is the last of us but in Uncharted, The Lost Legacy, they, there was actually one part of the map where it actually opened up. You had this Jeep that you could kind of drive around. And it, it wasn't like this big open world, but it was kind of a larger area for you to explore, like much larger than anything that had been in Uncharted before. Um, and Uncharted 4 had a little bit more of expansive areas, but mm-hmm. I like how Naughty Dog is kind of evolved their games uh, as time has progressed right where they're still the, the the dna of a linear game is still there but they're just making it bigger paying more attention to little details in the environment to make it just seem more realistic and like it's not like you're in this little small section that's boxed in by buildings and you can only go forward and backwards right um i think that it's 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 hard to find that balance of not making it too big because then it's totally changing the genre of video game but also not making it too linear where it feels like okay this is a video game because of the very video gamey elements of blocking in a player with with the environments using buildings and stuff like that so it, it looked like that although again I, that has to be seen on how big these areas are that can be explored right uh all right let's go into talking about some of the enemies so first off the washington uh liberation front is an armed group that originally fought to free seattle from the military but have become a powerful and deadly faction in seattle since taking control of the city another faction ellie encounters are the seraphites or scars a religious group of zealots is that how you say that zealots 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 that specialize in stealth combat and camouflage the seraphites are the cloaked group seen in the first last of us 2 reveal trailer new infected types will be present in the sequel such as shamblers uh 
pustule covered infected that explodes when hit. Druckmann did not share the most horrifying new infected type, but a terrifying roar can be heard over a uh, black screen. Yeah, he like kind of talks about this new one that explodes when you hit it. And then he, he does tease by saying that there's even crazier enemies uh, that you'll just have to wait to see them in the game. So obviously, I think that's going to be one of those moments, hopefully, that's like, holy crap, this enemy's crazy or big or just mm-hmm totally catches us off guard there's a reason why he's planting that little bug in our head right now (laughs) um and then enemy npcs are smarter now and can track you from your scent so that's kind of interesting uh i i think that's specifically talking about the uh the infected i don't know if like humans are sniffing you out but probably well the humans they showed had dogs uh yeah the dogs yeah that they can use to to track scent with so although like the the actual humans can't (laughs) if they have those canine companions then yeah um then they can kind of because they even showed like a little bit of a i don't know what they would call it but it was almost like a almost like a sixth sense kind of thing where where uh ellie can see sort of her trail yeah. which is essentially like the scent that i guess the either the dogs or uh the infected could pick up on so um so it's just you know another thing to be be mindful of is you know um watching you know keeping an eye out on who can track where you're at and uh maybe if there's some sort of way to cover your tracks you know mm-hmm. making sure that you do that yeah or um yeah, just, you know, using your environment, I'm sure there's ways that you can kind of uh, cover up your scent, I'm yeah. sure. So, for the most part, in to just kind of cap off this enemies and factions discussion on this game, the it, it, it pretty much isn't really diverting too much from the original game, it sounds like. It sounds like we're still getting, you know, a, well... In this case, we have two different groups that we're going to be dealing with, with the Washington Liberation Front and then the Seraphites. Um, I mean, yeah, it's the typical formula of having the the human humans that you're dealing with that are outlaws or whatever, and then also dealing with the enemies. Um, for me specifically, like the Last of Us, the first game, was I didn't really care too much about dealing with the enemies they were just an uh an obstacle that my characters like joel and ellie had to face i didn't really care too much i couldn't even really tell you their motive of some of the and like the antagonists in the first game um so i i kind of like to see that they they are creating you know some motives behind both of them with with the one trying to free Seattle but have become powerful and deadly and how that has changed probably what this Washington Liberation Group has started from and then uh, if you ever you can win me over in any video game if you talk about religious groups or cults or something like that I have a fascination (laughs) with them I think they're like uh so creepy and and it's kind of scary because they are so a lot of them are are usually a little insane to some degree um mm. and using that as an enemy i think is cool there's um like it, i and then adding you know the infected on top of that it was i think this was the first when i was watching this and they were talking about infected i had totally forgot that that they were a whole other portion of the last of us because you focus so much on the story and 
um, the characters and everything like that, that you forget that, oh, that's, that's right. This is what's happened in this world. And this is kind of like a zombie game, but I think the last of us has had so much attention towards the people and how they survive in a post-apocalyptic world with zombies. And, uh, that you sometimes forget that that is the foundation of it. Right. Um, do, do you want anything to add it or do you want to move on to combat? Um, I don't, I don't know no, if there's I anything. Mean, I, I think, to... Yeah, there, not too much else to add to that. I mean, I, I agree with you. I think it's nice that there's kind of, cause, I mean, the whole point of, you know, the original game was, was getting from point A to point B. There's a, it, it was basically just trying to survive to your destination. Yes. And it sounds like this is going to have sort of a, uh, a catalyst that drives the story forward um that pulls ellie out of that sort of safe space mm-hmm. and so there is going to be more more of a uh you know con- condition of victory if you will um than just going from point a to point b mm-hmm. so i think that will kind of um engage people a little bit more yeah. or um produce more more story or plot elements for sure All right, let's get into combat details. So Ellie's physical advantages come into play in combat. She's more agile than enemies and can dodge and counter enemies during fights. Because of the large map size, Ellie can use the environment to her advantage or avoid combat instances altogether. Uh, Yeah, at one point, I'll just quickly add here, it shows Ellie um, kind of diving into long grass and how... If you think of like Assassin's Creed when you go into long grass and you crouch down, you're pretty much invisible, even though mm-hmm. technically you could, if any person walked by that, you could see like somebody's head poking out <laughs> or like an arm or something like that. And they're kind of going with with a more realistic um, element of, of stealth of when Ellie is in the tall grass, you know, when she's lying prone you might not be able to see her but if you're standing 10 feet away you're probably going to be able to to see a person a body lying in grass right so i thought that was kind of interesting that um it it makes it feel less video gamey and more realistic which i i know some people have an appreciation for um because uh sorry allies with some time allies will sometimes join ellie during combat encounters and other parts of the game Ellie can take down enemies with the help of friends or fight off clickers as a group. There will be a skill upgrade and weapon system that let players create unique fighting styles that cater to their preferences. Players can scavenge for parts to customize weapons. These customizations will be visually represented on your weapons. So if the rifle's sight, for example, the scope will be added to the rifle. So, Adam, how do you feel about The Last of Us's combat? Because that's something, a, kind of a, a topic of conversation in itself. Um, did you like the combat in the first game? And how do you feel about what they've shown off for the, the sequel? Now, uh, for me, this this style of combat doesn't really do anything for me. It's it's kind of one of the reasons that I never really got into like the Resident Evil series. Um, it's it's so focused on like uh, item and resource management, uh, especially with ammo uh, related items that it just um, I don't know. It, it adds a little extra stress. Like I understand like the, the point is to not let you just kind of like run and gun the whole way through sure, the game yeah. um, <clears throat> because it is sort of that like horror and suspense that kind of um, 
that that kind of elevates the experience and um, creates sort of that world that is the the Last of Us. And so I totally get why, but at the same time, like those just aren't really my style of games. Like the very stealthy, very resource management based. Like those those just aren't really the ones that that vibe with me. Mm-hmm. But it was really the story of the first game that that just drove me through um, in a relatively short amount. Of, I powered through that game pretty quickly. Yeah. Um, but it was all it was all based on the story. So like watching this and sort of the combat, there were some enhancements. I I would say to uh, the combat of this game, but at the same time, you like you know you add in, you know when you're you're in cover, you're not fully in cover. You can still be detected, and then there's the scent thing. Um, all this it seems to be added added in, and it kind of it stresses me out just looking at it. Like, <laughs> <laughs> so not only are my my resources very limited, but now I have to be really careful about where where I'm in cover. Uh, whether my my scent is being detected so it's just all these extra things you have to be aware of and um, it just yeah for me because it's like I'm gonna put it on the easiest difficulty Mm -hmm. for sure like if I pick the game up Um, uh, because that's what I did with the first one I just put it on baby ass baby mode (laughs) because I just wanted the story so like the combat while I I do see the uh you know the the kind of subtle improvements that they made like it's largely the same as as the yeah. first game uh but there were some subtle improvements that they made which i think were were nice but um in the end like it's not really going to matter like i'm just going to put it on easy and get by with as like whatever i can yeah so. for sure yeah i think like these games that obviously hold the narrative and the story and the characters as higher than some of the other elements of the game I mean, that, that, that makes sense as if you just want to experience that, you know, there's, there's no shame in putting it on a low. I mean, I did that with uh, star Wars, um, Jedi fallen order, right? I felt the combat was tricky and I didn't really, I wanted to hear the star Wars story. I wanted to see its connection to the star Wars universe. And I didn't really, although I really liked the combat in that game and I thought it was really well done. It was a little challenging to the point where it was, it was uh, interrupting the, my my flow that I wanted. It was just taking too long on certain enemies, so I I did I dropped the difficulty, and you know I still had a blast, right? Um, I think that that's that's totally fine. I I also understand that I I get where people are coming from when they talk about the Last of Us combat kind of feeling, not really anything unique or. It, it clearly isn't the standout of the game. When I played the first one, I was the same way. I didn't really find... I didn't play it for the combat. I didn't play it for it being a stealth game. That's just uh, not really what I think The Last of Us is. It's It's focuses on, but it is obviously what you're going to be doing, right? So it is important that it is fleshed out to some degree and... Um, I think that they they're basically taking that combat system from the first game and just really polishing it and making it feel more fluid um at least from what I I saw from that and I think that's good cuz that was the one thing of playing Naughty Dog's games like Uncharted and The Last of Us that I never I I I would say more so in Uncharted it always felt like when I came into a group of enemies 
it was like, okay, let's get this over with. Let's shoot them. I just want to get back to the story or the exploration or the traversal that Nathan Drake does, right? Um, and that's kind of the same with The Last of Us when I played the first one. It's like, okay, here's a wave of enemies that I got to get rid of or here's some infected that I have to sneak around and get what I just want to know what's going, what's the next thing yeah. that's mm-hmm. happening to Ellie and Joel and everything like that, right? So, um and I think that they are aware of that and don't, I never, it never like, I would say maybe the first, the Naughty Dog was figuring that out with the first couple Uncharted games, but I think they realized they found their beat now and the combat never feels like it overstays its welcome. Um, it never feels repetitive uh, to some degree. And so, yeah, I just watching this combat i i think i will actually enjoy it more than the first one because they have made those improvements so um so let's go into the gameplay demo so this is like the first like not the first gameplay we've seen of it but new gameplay uh for the first time so uh, the demo begins with Ellie diving into a lake to avoid detection from enemies before surfacing behind her prey. Um, so you, you can kind of swim around and you can actually dive down uh, into the water as Ellie. Uh, she ends up swimming through this area, diving down and kind of going into um, uh, a building where she kind of surfaces, comes up and there's an enemy there. And this is where there's a such a cool little Easter egg that it's like, I love that they also showed this off um, so that people could kind of talk about it on the internet because that just creates more, you know, conversation. Um, but they had this enemy playing a PlayStation Vita <laughs> sitting with her back, like turned to basically where Ellie was in the water. And Ellie just comes up and sorry, I should say that they're also playing Hotline Miami <laughs> because you can clearly hear the Hotline Miami song. Um, so as a fan of Hotline Miami, I immediately recognized the dude. I was like, oh my God, that is so awesome. And I was glad to see after the presentation, everyone on Twitter, like that was one thing that blew up as people were joking about, <laughs> you know, it's 2038, but the Vita's still kicking. <laughs> and, uh, so that was pretty funny, but, uh, yeah, Ellie just straight, straight up mercs this, uh, this person, like stabs her in the throat and, leaves her to die basically um and it was kind of funny too like i was thinking as i was watching this and she's swimming i'm like she is not being quiet at all like she's very loud swimmer she's breathing heavily she's getting out of the water it's making all sorts of racket i'm like how is this person just not hearing what's going on but then it turned out the headphones the earbuds plugged into (laughs) the the vita Yeah. yeah so um so ellie ha- added a silencer to her pistol for stealth kills but can also take enemy npc hostages if she needs cover or protection like in the first game ellie can use various explosives and traps during combat enemies will attack you while you're trying to open locked doors the gameplay and cinematics blend seamlessly during the demo scripted sequences will occur during gameplay while at other times gameplay will transition into a cinematic sequence so that's all the article had um but yeah, I'm just going back to talking about Ellie, this has been shown off in previous Last of Us videos, but this game is like brutally violent. Like just, mm. it is not, 
shying away from the killing at all. It is very graphic. Um, like I said, the kid stabbing that person with the Vita in the throat. And there was even some other kills that were just like, holy crap. But I, it kind of makes sense, right? When you think about it is Ellie was trained by Joel for so many years and she has been basically, this is the only life she knows. So at this point in time, you know, she, she's just a straight up Merc. Like she, she is very well versed in combat, whether it is melee up close stealth kills or, or the gun, uh, using firearms or anything like that. So it kind of makes sense. Cause I, the my biggest criticism with like post-apocalyptic games is in reality, if like, say I were to survive whatever event kind of wiped out the humanity or whatever and i was trying to survive in this world i would die very quickly by people that are much better at surviving right (laughs) and so that's the biggest thing is like well there's that's not realistic but the fact that we know that ellie this ellie would have that level of combat training because of what we experienced so it's kind of cool seeing how flushed out of uh fleshed out she is in terms of combat um i uh yeah, I just can't believe on how how violent it is um, and how they're just they're not really shying away from showing that. Right. Like you have games like Doom and uh, those are obviously there's an emphasis on gore, but it's also kind of like there's an element of it not feeling super realistic. Right. You're dealing with demons that have come and in and invaded uh mars or whatever like it's very silly whereas this is like this is realistic right this is like a brutal murder and uh yeah i i kind of in a sick way kind of appreciate that so (laughs) i uh i'm i'm looking forward to that um was there anything in the gameplay portion that stood out to you yeah, um, I actually really liked, they, they did a really good job of showing off all the different tools and ways that you can, um, you know, you can perform different like combat things. So they, they showed, you know, the silencer and they showed uh, stealth kills and, you know, using people as human shields. Mm-hmm. Um, they, they showed uh, her picking up a board and then crafting it into like a spiked board um, kind of on the fly, making that Molotov cocktail on the fly and, and just kind of showing um, a, a good amount of different weapons at her disposal, both uh, ranged and, and melee. So mm-hmm. I think it, it was, it was a really cool way to show the variance of combat, um, how things can, can be very different. Yeah. Um, I feel like there was something else I went. Oh yeah, so uh, I, my fingers crossed because I saw in a number of kills that she made, she uses a knife that she's carrying. In the first game, you had to craft shivs to do that sort of thing. So I'm really hoping mm. that like the shiv thing is just out the window and yeah. you can just use this knife as much as you want. That would be a huge quality improvement, um, quality of life improvement for me. If if that ends up being just like a permanent item that you can just always use to, yeah. uh, you know, do you know, stealth kills and close range kills and stuff like that. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm kind of hoping for that because again, that would just, that I, I hated dealing with shivs. I really, oh, yeah. I, again, it's just another, you know, you're already limited on bullets, but now you're limited on like your, uh, your melee weapons too. And so. I would always like save my shivs, um, 
yeah, because it was like one of those things that I, I couldn't just use whenever I wanted and to yeah. the point where I just like never used them because unless I was <laughs> like in a pinch, right? Um, right. But yeah, I, I, it kind of sucks when you're restricted to that. So I, I'm with you there. I hope that that isn't a part of it. But if it was, I wouldn't be, I'd be upset, but I w- wouldn't really be surprised since that is kind of part of the DNA of The Last of Us's combat. But I agree. I think it's just scrap it, you know, just let us knife people. And I think yeah. that's kind of what, what they were showing there with the combat. So. Mm-hmm. So what I wanted to touch on before we move on to the PS5 predictions is last episode, we were talking about ghosts. We kind of mentioned how both of us were more excited for Ghosts of Tsushima than The Last of Us. And now for myself, I'll put on the record that I am still more excited for Ghosts of Tsushima over The Last of Us Part 2 for the reasons that I've already explained. But after coming out of this state of play with a, a another good chunk of gameplay seeing that we're only a couple weeks from release like what is your your hype level for this game are you excited are you still indifferent because uh, i i know you you've talked on our group chat about it a little bit but where are you as of this moment i think i'm still still in the in- indifferent phase like there really wasn't anything in this that just kind of like that hooked me it was like okay i, I have to get this game day one um it's something i i might still get but i mean ghost of tsushima like that's a day one purchase for me like yeah. i'm like still way hyped for that game um this one it, it's it's one of those things you know and I, I know i've said this a million times before is that i still feel like it doesn't need to exist but it does i'm sure it's going to be high quality because it's naughty dog and i i'm interested to know what happens but i just don't know that i'm interested enough to actually buy the game yeah yeah it's it's so tough um because it's like you said it is naughty dog and there's that level of comfort in knowing what what we're going to get but at the same time it's also can sometimes make people lose that excitement um that we sometimes have for things that are brand new and exciting right like ghost of tashima even though it has a lot of gameplay elements that seem to be similar to other games it's a brand new IP and a brand new world and a brand new story that we don't know. And whereas The Last of Us Part Two, you know, even though it time has passed and the characters have changed and there's different things at stake, it's still The Last of Us. And although The Last of Us is one of the greatest video games of all time, you know, we're, we just know that this one's probably going to be to that same caliber. And, you know, I think that it loses a little bit of that, just that specialness that, um, like I said, brand new IPs have, right? So, yeah, I, I understand where you're coming from for sure. I, I tweeted out that I was, uh, you know, at the beginning of the year, if you asked me my most anticipated game, I think I, we actually asked this question on the podcast and Cyberpunk 2077 is still my most anticipated game of this year. Um you know, with Ghost of Tsushima right there behind it. But now after seeing this, for me, specifically that last section of gameplay, it just got me really, really excited that uh, that we don't even know all the stories that are going to happen. And that's like the biggest part of The Last of Us is 
what is this story going to be, right? Is it mm -hmm. going to have that same level and impact that the first game has? Because if it doesn't, then yeah, it, it is going to be hard for it to, to stand up on its own. Um, and that's really all we, like after seeing this gameplay, uh, we have a good look at what the the tasks at hand are going to be like, but you know, what what's at stake in this world? So I, so is, go ahead. Is, is this a day one pickup for you? Oh yeah, yeah, like it will for sure be day one like i'll, I'll i uh i'm going to like pre-order it digitally and mm -hmm. probably stay up for it and play it um <laughs> because it's uh yeah i think it's just because i had such a good connection with the first game and i haven't really had a connection like that since then with any game um well like some here and there but not to the level that the last of us provided so I'm not hoping to completely replicate that same feeling, but I, I, I just am really excited to get back into seeing what this story is and how, how it continues on, right? Because like you said, you, you never felt that this game needed a sequel, and I felt the same way too. I think The Last of Us is a, a, a great video game that tells a great story. It had a beginning, middle, and an end, and... Um, it, I guess the ending, uh, without giving spoilers, it kind of asks you, okay, well, what happens down the road? And now we're kind of finding that out, right? So they did set up the first game in a way that they could continue it on, but I didn't necessarily feel like we needed to know about that, right? We could have went for the rest. I could have went the rest of my life with no other Last of Us game and been satisfied. But because we are getting one, and I like the first one so much, I'm like, let's go. <laughs> <laughs> See, and I, I'm thinking to myself, the, the first one ended, in my mind, it ended absolutely perfectly. It was mm -hmm. it was uh, a little divisive, and it yeah. was sort of very thought-provoking, and it does kind of make you wonder what, what happens next. But at the same time, it also ends in a way that's just, like, that was perfect. Like, it doesn't, it doesn't need anything else. Like, um, my imagination can kind of take it the rest exactly, of the way. Exactly, yeah. It, it, as, you know, to what to expect. And, uh, and I don't want to say it was like a happily ever after thing, but it was like kind of like one of those things where like, okay, I, I feel comfort with where these characters are at now. Yeah. I'm good. It was, it was a good, you know, it was a solid wrap up that was, um, again, kind of controversial, but all, like also just so well done. Mm -hmm. I thought it was perfect. And, and again, that kind of, I don't want to say it sours this other game because it, it doesn't really because, it, again, we know it's going to be a great story. It's going to be a very entertaining game. Um, there's I, I really don't see a world where it can't be a great game. Yeah. Um, I just don't think it's going to hit those same levels. I don't think it's going to be the masterpiece that the original game was. And I mm -hmm. think the, the shoes from the first game were just too big to fill um, that I, I think it's, again, uh, Gosh, not I don't want to say set up for failure because it's not going to fail <laughs> by any any means, but it's just it's not going to hit those same strides that the first one did. Um, so and it's it makes me really torn on whether or not like I want to pick it up at launch or not, because if I, I I'm not really inclined to buy it day one, but also if I don't, 
I'm not sure that I'm ever going to get around to playing it because then we're going to have Ghost of Tsushima and then we're going to have Cyberpunk and then we're going to have the new consoles. And it's like, I just don't know where this would fit in. Yeah. Um, You know, and I'm sure there's a bunch of, you know, other unannounced titles that are going to be coming out this year um, that are going to fill in some of those gaps too. So it's like, if I don't get it at launch, am I ever really going to play it? And then Mm -hmm. it's like, you know, part of me wants to because then there's going to be game of the year discussions, you know, uh, spoiler cast things and, and that, but it's just, I don't, I don't want to go into it, uh, and force myself to play it. Otherwise then I'm going to have a bad time with it. Yeah. So I'm just, I'm not sure what I'm going to do with, about it yet. Yeah, no, that that's fair. I, I see where you're coming from with that. I, I, I for sure will be buying it. I'll be playing it. And whether if you end up not not getting it right away or whatever, I I for sure will be doing some sort of review, whether it's just me or maybe if you end up coming on on board with it or uh, I I actually um, yeah I I think next week I'm probably going to start my playthrough replay of the first game. Um, I'm not as far removed from it as some people are who maybe played it on PS3 or right when the PS4 came out. But I just got it in twenty end of 2016, pretty much 2017, is when I played it for the first the first and only time I played The Last of Us. And so I'm excited to replay it to kind of just even get me myself more excited for the sequel. And um, yeah, so it should, it should be fun. All right, let's move into our PS5 prediction. So yesterday... Uh, at the time of this recording, Sony tweeted out, well, uh, yesterday morning, I guess, uh, that they were going to have a event for PS5. So I'll just find the tweet here so I can read it out. But uh, it's basically slotted for June 4th uh, at 1 p.m. Pacific time. And join us Thursday, June 4th at 1 p.m. Pacific time for a look at the future of gaming on PlayStation 5. That's it. That's all they've kind of revealed um, in terms of, uh, well, let's see. Is there a blog post? And Let me actually check that before I say that. Um, there are a few things as exciting as the launch of a new console. While this road to launch has been a bit different, we are thrilled as ever to bring you with us on this journey to redefine the future of video games. We shared technical specifications and shown you the new new DualSense wireless controller, but what is a launch without games? That's why I'm excited to share that we will soon give you a first look at the games you'll be playing after PlayStation 5 launches this holiday. The games coming to PS5 represent the best in the industry from innovative studios that span the globe. Studios both larger and smaller, those newer and those more established all have been hard at work developing games that will showcase the potential of the hardware. This digital showcase will run for a bit more than an hour, and for the first time, we will all be together virtually virtually experiencing the excitement together. A lack of physical events has given us an amazing opportunity to think differently and bring us bring you on this journey with us, and hopefully closer than ever before. This is part of our PS5 updates, and rest assured after next week's showcase, we will still have much more have much to share with you so that was from the playstation blog i just wanted to read that because i was like i never actually found out if they were transparent on what this event is going to be so there you go it's going to have an emphasis 
on the showcase, uh, showcasing games and games that are going to be launching on PS5. So, I guess let's just get into our predictions. So, we each have some predictions that we're going to share. And these predictions, um, I'm sure there'll be some overlap as we kind of predicted at the beginning of the show. But yeah, basically, we're just going to talk about what we think is going to be shown off at this event next week. And then next week's episode, we'll kind of dive into what we did see. And then, you know, whoever got the most right can brag about it. (laughs) So, Adam, why don't you start us off with one of your first predictions? Um, Let's see. I'm going to say... Oh man! So I want to start with with a game prediction, or if you want, I can take the pressure off you, and I can start. It's up to you, though. Yeah, you go first. Okay. <laughs> so my first prediction is is we are going to get the announcement of a Horizon Zero Dawn sequel. Mm. It is going to be uh, an announcement of it. We're not going to get any sort of gameplay. It's going to be a more than a teaser, though, it's not just going to tease uh, Guerrilla Games logo and then the title. It's going to have some sort of look of, you know, a, a cinematic trailer. And then maybe they'll say, this was to- totally done. <laughs> this is in-game uh, on a PlayStation 5 or whatever, you know, how, how they try to to show off what it, the game looks like. Uh, we're going to have some sort of that type of announcement um but as much as i would love it for it to be a launch title i don't think it's going to have any sort of release date it might yeah i don't think any release date at all not even 2021 or anything like that they're just going to show off this game announce it and then sometime down the road maybe later this year maybe the beginning of next year is when we're going to hear about it again and actually get a look at when this game could come out but i don't think it's going to be a launch game which kind of it would be great if it was because i i put horizon zero dawn sequel uh as one of my fantasy critic games and if it was a launch (laughs) game that would be a a great pickup for me but uh Yeah. yeah i don't i think that that's where i'm gonna leave that prediction so i actually uh predicted the same um so, except I, I have a prediction on the name. I think it's going to be called Horizon New Dawn. Nice. <laughs> and, <laughs> and I think we are going to see gameplay. Uh, we will get a release window. Um, even if it's like, I, I do think it's 2021 at the latest. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm not going to go as far as to say like summer 21 or, or you know, winter or, or yeah. whatever, but I, I do agree. I don't think it's going to be a launch game, um, but I do think it'll probably be out in 2021, um, maybe in the first half of the year. Okay. Um, and I do think I do think we'll get some actual gameplay for it too. I mean, yeah, that would be the the smartest. Is it not necessarily being? Like, obviously, a launch game would be great because then it's like, here's a big AAA game that you could play with when you get your new console. But I think it would it would be smart to have have it kind of not not like years after launch, but in that you, you always think about 
I think of like 2014 after the launch of Xbox One and PS4 is the launch lineup for both those consoles were not super great. Um, and even 2014 as a year didn't have a lot of big games, right? It wasn't until 2015 and then 2016 and as we led up to the the last half of the generation where we started getting those really big, well-established franchises putting in, you know, titles for the generation. And so I think it would be make sense to kind of capitalize on that where people are starting to consider maybe buying one because there's going to be a lot of people that just stick with their PS4 and their Xbox One. They're not mm-hmm. going to get this day launch, uh, on launch day, sorry, and you know, it's going to be into that next year where maybe they people start considering purchasing one. And then I think that they could capitalize on that by releasing a big first party game like a Horizon Dawn or Horizon Zero Dawn sequel. So I think that that would be smart for sure. All right. So my next prediction is, and this is a boring one, I apologize, but uh, my next prediction is we are not going to get any uh, specific price point on the console uh, with them saying that they're going to have an emphasis on games. I don't think they're going to talk too much about the PS5 itself. I think they're going to save that for a little bit later. Um, I do think we are going to see what the PS5 looks like. And, uh, but I don't think they're going to talk about, uh, a specific release date. Oh man, that's hard though. I don't know. Uh, okay. I I got it. They're going to give a release date. Oh, but are they? Damn. I'm so, I keep like flip flopping back and forth. Cause it's like they could, but then they also couldn't. Okay. I'm so locked. If, if you want me to put you on the spot. Yeah. I have a I have a release date as a prediction, okay. and I have a price point as a prediction. Okay, so. let let let's hear it, and then I'll tell you what mine mine right. is. So release date, I think, uh, I think the what makes seems for me to make the most sense is going to be November twentieth. Okay. Uh, which is Friday. It's the Friday before Black Friday. Smart. So I think that's going to be release date, and I think. I, I, I went back and forth on this a lot, but I think price point is going to be four ninety nine US. Um, part of me really wanted to say four forty nine, but oh man, yeah, those those two numbers I went back and forth on, and I did kind of settle on four ninety nine, so like right around five hundred bucks uh, is my my price point prediction. All right, cool. Well. I'm going to then just go total opposite just for the sake of having some fun. And I'll say (laughs) we get no release date um, except for maybe, no, I'm just going to stick to it. No release date. Okay. They just focus on the games and because there's no release date, there's no even mention of price or anything that's going to come later. Here's, here's my thinking on that though, because they are adamant that this is coming out this year. Um, I, I feel like they kind of have to have those those key key information oh, because totally. they're going to want pre-orders to start up. Yeah. Um, so I think just just for the sake of pre-orders, I think we'll get both a date and price. So the reason why I wouldn't be surprised if they say 
it's now available for pre-order at yeah. the end. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's a good point. I mean, if I'm being honest, I, I, I do think there there could be something, but I want to predict there isn't just so that we have a we were on opposite ends of the table for for points of uh breaking rights and stuff like that but uh yeah i mean like what what will be interesting is because we're at that point where uh xbox playstation which one's going to be are they going to be the same price are they going to be releasing at the same time um you know that the the thing that happened last generation or this i guess the current generation of the xbox one and ps4 is like xbox one came out told all of these things and sony dunked on some of these things that got some big backlash and that really fueled playstation right and it'll be interesting to see because if they come out and say 500 dollars, it's coming november 20th whatever with uh next month in july when they're talking about xbox first party games do they also release the release date for that and a price point on the xbox series x and you know so it'll be interesting because now we're in that 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 part of who goes first right and whoever goes first could totally it could totally change what that other the second person goes because if they they say it's cheaper that could be a win if they say it's more expensive that could really hurt them so that's what i'm more looking forward to is how the two big the big two kind of get into competition with each other now that we're really revving up on uh kicking off this next generation so well my thoughts on that are that sony they're they clearly won this generation right oh and they've they've established a following yeah. built mostly on their exclusive titles uh so i honestly don't think they're worried about that i think they they know they're going to sell a bunch of units yep. regardless of what the price is um because they have uh, uh such a wide range of exclusive content that xbox just doesn't or at least mm-hmm. not yet and i think that's enough for them to to come out and feel confident giving a price point and not really having to care what xbox sells at mm-hmm. i mean unless xbox is like 150 dollars cheaper but i mean let's be honest series x isn't going to be 350 bucks yeah so i think that puts them in a price range that is probably within 50 dollars of of series x yeah and you know for most consumers they're not going to say whoa 50 bucks like you know whenever you're you're looking at that price in general like you're going to go with the the brand that you're loyal to um you know and not to say that's the case for everybody but i mean when you look at when they sell 100 some ps4s yeah just a crazy amount (laughs) that's a pretty wide consumer base to to expect are going to come along to the ps5 regardless of whatever xbox does yeah so i think they're in a pretty secure position it does open up opportunity for xbox to undercut them a little bit um but i don't think that's going to take away enough uh, user base for Sony to, yeah. to really care about. I, I yeah, I should say that like I don't think that Sony is worried about Microsoft in that way, and I also don't think Microsoft is really too concerned about. I, I like I don't think they're coming at it in this generation as we want to sell more units than the PS5, and we want to, you know, 
win win the win the console wars that way i think like they've already made it pretty clear that microsoft is really focusing on the ecosystem of xbox the fact that they're already kind of advertising series x um as like like i'm not compelled to go and get a series x because i know games like infinite um and for the, for the first little while, a lot of those games are also going to be playable on my Xbox Series or Xbox One X, and it's like mm-hmm. that with them saying that they're already kind of setting it up in a way that a lot of people are feeling like that. So they clearly aren't too concerned about pushing units out the door. Um, I think they're they're wanting to do what Sony did uh, at the beginning of this, whatever E3 that was, where they're like, here's Days Gone, Spider-Man, God of War, Death Stranding, like, they're gonna be, they they learned from this generation that exclusives are a big, big thing in building a brand, and I think that they're going to focus on that, and they're not too concerned about sales and everything like that on the actual hardware, so. All right, you got uh, another prediction? Uh, yes, yeah, so I think we'll see the new Call of Duty game. Um, I think we'll Smart. get yeah. you know full trailer for that release date. Um, the 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 whole nine yards. Yeah. Uh, I do expect that this will be a game that releases before PlayStation Five comes out, but yes. I think there's going to be like a PS Five version of the game. Totally. Um, so I think we'll see that. Yeah, that that almost has to be a guarantee because you think like. Typically, Activision announces their their fall Call of Duty title usually in May. If I if I am not mistaken, that's usually the, roughly around this time. Yeah, um, and yeah, because I remember listening to listening on a podcast. Some some people were saying this is about the time of year they'd be going to. They'd normally be going to like a uh, Call of Duty event to get hands on and stuff. Yeah, yeah, and with the PlayStation having that uh, deal with Activision and Call of Duty that makes sense again that it would be through Sony's presentation and then yeah I th- like I totally see Call of Duty being a title that's like you buy it here um, and then some people are also going to buy it on but they're not necessarily going to be like you buy the like the smart delivery or whatever right like mm-hmm. it's going to be like I think it was Call of Duty Ghosts where it was like PS3 and then it was also um the on ps4 and then even i think it was advanced warfare the year after they still released it on ps3 and uh ps4 and stuff like that so i think that that activision is going to follow that into this generation as well my prediction is now this is a risky one i'm not not super risky because there is a, some rumors, but the chances are just so unlikely in my opinion. But I think we are going to get a announcement for Silent Hill, and Ooh. yeah, we're going because that's been teased uh, a bunch this year. And I'm not going to go into the timeline of rumors that we've had this mm-hmm. year because there's been yeah. like so many different ones. Um, there's been a lot, yeah, <laughs> yeah, and like there's the more recent one is one of the Silent Hill like artists um he like retweeted the sony ps5 tweet that was made out um but again it's like that doesn't mean anything it's just like oh i'm excited for this thing that's happening it doesn't mean like Mm -hmm. but you know it also has been in the past it's like hey 
wink, wink, nudge, nudge. Make sure you're tuning into this next week if you're a Silent Hill fan or something like that. Like there, we have had that, but I, I'm going to go for it. I'm going to say Silent Hill is coming out. It's going to be a PlayStation 5 exclusive. It's going to be a launch title and it is, yeah, it's going to be Konami um, developed and they're going to have exclusivity deal for for the PlayStation 5 and yeah, it's going to be a launch title and that's, it's just, oh, but is it going to be a launch title? Because <laughs> I'm almost thinking now that's like, <laughs> do they announce it? All they got to do is freaking put a logo of Silent Hill and then PlayStation 5 and then they could not talk about it for three years and people would still continue to talk about it. So it's like, uh, no, I think I'm going to stick to it. It's going to be a launch title this fall, Silent Hill for PlayStation 5. There you go. <laughs> nice. That's that's spicy. Pretty yeah. spicy all around. <laughs> yeah, I like it. <laughs> um, so this one is really not that spicy. Um, <laughs> but I'm going to say we're going to see uh, something for God of War 2. And this is going to be or, or 5, whatever you want to call it. Um, yeah. But basically a new God of War game. And I think it's going to be kind of kind of the direction you were headed with your Horizon prediction. In that it's going to be just like a short, maybe like a teaser real quick, like in-engine clip of something, not necessarily gameplay. Um, and it's not going to have a release date. It's just basically like, hey, this is in the works. Like, I mean, because we all know it's being worked on, right? So mm-hmm. I think it's just going to be that definitive, like, uh, it's sort of that reassurance of like, look at all the exclusives that PlayStation has. This is one of them. It's coming to PlayStation 5. Um <clears throat> and I could even see that being like the first PS5 exclusive title too. Right. Um at least at least their first party stuff. Um <clears throat> cuz I think Horizon will be <clears throat> compatible across both systems, uh PS4 and PS5. I think God of War though I think that's going to be only PS5. They might not say it at at, at this because I don't think we're going to get a lot of information, but I think in the end, that's probably what's going to happen. Yeah, that's fair. Man, I really need to get on to finishing God of War because I... Oh, it's so good. I, I really liked it. Like, there's nothing that I don't really like about it. It's just I got into that trap of starting another game when I hadn't beat God of War. And then it just got buried in my backlog. And then when I came back to it, it was like, oh, well, now I'm so, like, disconnected from what's going on that I almost want to restart. But at the same time, I'm like... Well, I'm like probably three quarters through the game. So it's like, do I just kind of, I don't know. It's, it's hard, but I, I, I need to get on that. That's like one of the games that I have installed. And every time I see it, I'm like, oh, I should do it. But then I'm like, well, Predator Hunting Grounds, this janky ass (laughs) game is calling my name. So (laughs) yeah, that would be cool. I would, I would love that. Um, that that would get people i mean like it's one of the best games of all time i would put it on mm-hmm. a on that list so if they did that that would just that would really really start ps5 on a strong note um okay i let's see here i have a couple options that i could go with i'm trying to think what i should do here um I think we're going to get an announcement for Ben Studios next game. Uh, Ben's okay. Ben Studio made Days Gone, 
And while there is a lot of people who enjoyed that game, it wasn't necessarily received well by critics. And I think that we, they're, they're kind of wanting to sunset that and move on as quickly as they can um, from Days Gone and just put it behind them. And it's not that they're like ashamed of anything. Like they put a lot of hard work into it and there's lots of people like I, I enjoyed majority of what I played and then I kind of got burned out and bored by it. But it's, uh, I, yeah, I, where was it? Um, let me find it here. Give me one sec. I think the studio head of bend tweeted out that he's like, Oh, let me just find it. Give me one sec here. Um, his name again i'm blanking uh he tweeted something out about how uh yeah he's the game director at uh ben's studio jeff ross here it is uh and he tweeted out a couple days ago where is it uh um Oh, yeah. What's going to be left out of the documentary for our next game is exactly how much of it was designed with my shirt off. <laughs> hashtag COVID-19, <laughs> hashtag work from home. So they are, I think they're going to Ben Studio. Actually, let's just get crazy. I'm ready to get crazy, Adam. Let's go. <laughs> ben Studio announces a siphon filter reboot. Um, yeah, so that's going to be their their title that they announce um it's not going to be a launch or anything it's just going to be a teaser that's it because days are gone days gone was only last year and i think there's a lot of work on whatever this next game that ben studio is going to be working on uh, i think it's going to be still a little ways out um and but let's just go for it let's say siphon filter announced um and it's going to be yeah like a reboot similar to god of war to that level um but mm. they these we might not necessarily know that uh but because it, it's just going to be some sort of teaser but that that's my prediction <laughs> okay so um i think i am going to uh, let's see i i think <laughs> i i think we're gonna see See, that's the thing. I'm not sure if it'll be at this or if it'll be at Xbox. But I'm gonna say I'm gonna say this one just you know for the sake of of spiciness. Um, I think we'll see some Starfield from Bethesda. Oh, nice! Yeah, I yeah. think we might get like a real trailer. Um, I don't think we'll get. I, I think we're still not getting a. No, I'll, I'll say we get a release window. Um, you know, it might just be like a generic like 2021. Um, but yeah, I think because I, as far as I understand it, they're no longer doing a press conference. <clears throat> I could see them really being more at an Xbox event though. Like Bethesda just feels more Xbox to me, mm -hmm. but I'm going to stick with it. All I'm right. Say Star Starfield is shown at the PlayStation Fair event with a release window. Yeah, I think that's... And it might just be in-engine stuff, not necessarily, right. like, gameplay. Yeah, like, here's a, a slice of five minutes of gameplay or something, just, like, showing that off in some sort of trailer. All right, that's fair. I think, like, it, it's time to see something from that game. And, mm -hmm. yeah, did Bethesda announce if... Are they doing something or... 
Uh, I I don't think so. I think I think if E three if E three were still a thing, they probably would have. Yeah. Um, I don't know if they'll be doing anything as part of like the the summer game fest or uh, gosh, whatever all these different. There's a million of them. Uh, whether it's the Keeley thing or the IGN thing, I don't know if they'll have anything to present there. I think for for a heavy hitter title like, um, like Starfield, mm-hmm. I think it it will either be at PlayStation or Xbox. Yeah. Um, so if it's not at one, I think we'll see it at the other. Um, whereas sure. any, any smaller titles that they might have, I think would be part of like a Keeley or IGN yeah. type thing. All right. Do you have any more predict? I have one more that I can make. How many? So I have, I have two more and okay. then I have a question for you. All right. Okay. Uh, that's not really so much a prediction, but maybe something that maybe we can expect from the event. Gotcha. Okay. Um, so one, uh, one of them is, uh, well, I have three more kind of, so the same thing I said about God of war, um, same thing for Spider-Man. Okay. Yeah. Cause I think they're, I think they're going to kind of be in the same development cycle. Like they came out in the same year. Was right. That 20, 2018. Yeah. I think we'll see the same thing again, where both titles come out the same year whatever year that is Mm -hmm. but i think because again they're going to want to show as many cards as they have at this thing just to say like here's all the things you can expect from playstation 5 even if we don't hear about some of these titles for a while i think they're going to kind of get it you know it may even just be part of like a sizzle reel type thing too but um they're going to want to remind people of all the exclusives that they they have uh, or some of those franchises they have so i think Spider-Man will be the the same type of prediction I had for uh, God of War. But then also, I think Godfall, we're going to see more of that. Um, I think it's it's a certainty we're going to get gameplay. Um, and I, I don't think it's... I I really want to say it's a launch, launch day game because I can't think of anything else that they're going to have on launch day. But I'm, I'm going to be a little conservative here and say that it's a launch window. So maybe like... The first three months right. of, of launch of the system, it'll be out. Um, maybe not necessarily launch day, though. And then uh, I think we're going to see a Square Enix title there, too. Okay. Don't yeah. know what game. Whether I don't know if it'll be now. Uh, what's the one game? Is it just is it called Babel? Oh, uh, the, yeah. Babylon's Fall or something like that. That's the one. Yeah. 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 I, I don't think it'll be that necessarily. Uh, that's the only square besides Avengers, but that's going to be out before. Uh, I'm not sure if there's any other big square games that, that we know. I think we'll see a square game though. Yeah. For sure. Um, so yeah, that's okay. Those are my, I got one more. Um, and it's a little weak, but I think blue point is going to be there yeah and they're going to reveal whatever that game is that they've been working on that yeah we know they're working on some sort of game um i think it is going to be a remake of a sony owned ip but i'm not confident enough to think of anything specific like there was all the rumors about uh demon souls and then there was rumors about metal gear solid and then I think there was another one floating around there somewhere. I think some people, there was rumors that they were going to 
make a sequel of to Shadow of Colossus, which I don't believe at all. But uh, mm-hmm. I think it's going to be a Sony-owned IP, and I would love for it to be Metal Gear Solid. But I don't think if if Silent Hill is true, then that it definitely wouldn't be true because I feel like Konami couldn't have that big of a comeback with two Mm -hmm. of their biggest IPs being in one, you know, event like that. I'm like, I I highly doubt we're going to get anything from Konami, but I, I, I definitely can see both of them happening. So I would like it to be Metal Gear, but yeah, Blue Point is going to come in and reveal that game. And it's going to be a remake of a Sony IP. Now that you say that, that reminds me of, of something else, and I'll put this out here now too, is I sure. think we'll see a new game from Housemark uh, show up here. So okay, they are yeah. the devs for uh, like Resogun. Yeah. Um, like that That was a, a um, PS4 launch, launch title, game. Right? It was just yeah. a small small one, but but yeah, then they did, um, gosh, what, what else did they They did Next Machina. Um, I think there was another game they were working on that got scrapped, but they were they they did a lot of like uh, arcadey type games, mm-hmm. and then you know arcade their games weren't doing so well, so they're like, you know what, we're done with with arcade games. We're gonna make something big, um, and they were they were working on something else. I think it was some sort of I don't know that it was a battle royale or maybe some sort of like hero shooter or something. I think that got scrapped. Um, but I know that they're working on something else, and I think they were, I think they were in talks with Sony about it. So I, I could be getting a lot of this wrong. I'm not sure, but I'm just gonna say we'll see a Housemark game at All this right. event. Cool. Yeah, that would be awesome. All right. Uh, yeah, I'm out of predictions. So you said you had so, a question. Yeah. Yeah. So so we we're talking a lot about games and and pricing and release dates. Mm-hmm. Um, Sony has really yet to talk about like, uh, features like we've seen with, with Xbox, like, uh, you know, smart delivery and, um, the, the, the quick loading thing where you can just kind of bounce between, uh, uh, I don't want to say like save points or or whatever, but like, you can like suspend the game and like, yeah, yeah. yeah. And you can suspend multiple games at a time, like that sort of thing. And then of course they have game pass. So like, do you think we'll see Sony's version of smart delivery or the, the quick load thing? Or do you think they'll give any sort of updates on like PS now becoming a little bit more like game pass? Um, do you think we'll have any of that? Um, I don't think so. Mainly just just due to the fact that PlayStation and Sony don't really seem to have like, well, I should say it's probably due to the fact that they have had their first party games kind of sell the console for them, right? All these exclusives mm-hmm. yeah. really have helped push the PS4 to, to selling. And I think that strategy has worked. And I think that they're still in that mindset of, making these games and i think that's going to go go well for them it's going to continue that success but yeah i don't think they're going to show off these features like microsoft is because microsoft has had to kind of rely on that in order to to sell xbox as a brand because they don't have the titles right we 
what like when you think of xbox you think halo gears and forza and that's about it right and we've gotten multiple multiple games in those franchises and that's it so even even their big big first party games for microsoft aren't really going to move the needle too much anymore and <laughs> I, not not to undersell their their franchises, but I just I think we're at that point, right? And so that's why they maybe have had to rely on that stuff. And I think this generation they're going to come up with some exclusives and stuff. But um, and yeah, I I just have this feeling that PlayStation doesn't really care about that as much, or you know they have like I think just a couple of days ago I was reading something about the PS5 backwards compatibility and how the i here actually let me just search it quickly because there there was some sort of article that talked a little bit about backwards compatibility and um uh where is it here uh ps official ps5 page in iceland originally stated that the upcoming next generation console will allow users to in quotations play a back catalog of supported ps4 games so i feel like that that's them saying basically like your first party games are going to be backwards compatible but they're not going to be make a big push like microsoft did of trying to get as they're they're more looking at quality games as as opposed to quantity and with that i don't think they're going to spend too much time focusing on that um so yeah i i think next week for sure yeah we were not going to necessarily get that i think we're going to get all game kind of reveals i think they may like if we do get horizon zero dawn announced or whatever they may take some of their their big franchises and talk about some of those features within the reveal um whatever i think there's going to be one big game that they gets a bigger look than a lot of the other games announced and they may use that as a marketing point to talk about some of the features with ps5 but i think they're going to focus on that close like sometime later this summer or even at the beginning of fall where they have some sort of presentation or they they talk more about the operating system features that kind of stuff because we've already gone sprinkle sprinkles of information right on ps5 like the uh talking about when they revealed the dual sense and some of the share uh or the create button or whatever it was called um on the controller and some of the features with that and we've had mark cerny talk about the the infrastructure in these consoles and um we we had we had the unreal engine 5 demo and obviously that's not exclusive to playstation but it was selling playstation and the, the how things can be loaded and and talking about that so i i yeah i think they're just going to focus on games specifically mm, okay. what about you yeah i i'm not sure like i i kind of hope that they do have some of these features sprinkled in there somewhere mm -hmm. just um because that, that's actually been one of the big draws for me as as far as the series x coming out like the the quick load and the smart delivery and you know some of the other stuff they're doing just um it's it's very quality of life um so, sort of stuff that's you know kind of helps you get to your games faster and in a more convenient fashion um which i think is is really great um mm -hmm. so yeah, yeah we're still kind of waiting to see more exclusives from them but as far as like 
because uh, we were talking before, like next gen isn't necessarily just graphical updates. It's 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 new features and it's uh, you know faster loading times and and stuff like that. Yeah. So it's it's not always like next gen in this case isn't all about the graphical oh, updates yeah, totally. because they're just not that same kind of leap yeah. that we've seen from previous generations. Um, or at least not yet. Anyway. Yeah, we'll, we'll probably see it. it. It's it's different because of that mid-cycle mm-hmm. um, with the Series X and the Pro, right? That's why it... Like, if we went from the launch Xbox One to Xbox Series X, like, that would be crazy, right? We would yeah. notice a big difference with that. But. Right. So so I, I hope that they do add those in because it's it's not... It, you know, it's it's more than just what what graphical settings can this box play at? it's it's more like what can what else can this box do for me mm-hmm. um to make the experience better with these games yeah so i hope that they do have that stuff in there and then also just you know the the, the very uh consumer first thinking that xbox has especially with game pass like um that for me goes a long way like it, that literally sold and sold me an xbox yeah yeah <laughs> so um I think I think adding value to it is more than just, hey, look at these look at these new games that are coming out. I think I hope that there's more to it instead yeah. of just a better box than what I already have. Yeah, I, t- I totally agree with you. I if from from me as a consumer, I love the what Microsoft is doing right now. I think like they the Game Pass and X Cloud and um, the fact that they're they're picking up studios and when they do talk about these features with the xbox Series, like those are things i personally care about when i think of like the playstation audience um you know they're even with this like uh backwards compatibility thing that i was just mentioning you know i saw tweets of um people talking about this and how they're like oh i don't care about backwards compatibility i just want to play like, I don't want to play old games. I want to play PS5 games. Like, I, that's why, like, they have this perception that Xbox is, like, that's all they're focusing on. But I, I totally disagree. Like, I think that those features are important and can help sell to people that care care about those things, right? And there, there's definitely a big portion of Sony's audience that, yeah, they buy a PlayStation to play FIFA and Call of Duty and Fortnite or whatever. Um, but... I think uh, there's also some people that do care about these things. So I, I hope that they find a, a good balance for it at the end of the day. But mm-hmm. yeah, it will be interesting to see what uh, what we get. I think um, it, it's, it's going to be exciting no matter what, because like this, this process that Sony's had of staying pretty quiet on things and just like we don't even know like Xbox Series X the box itself was revealed at the Game Awards last year. We still don't even know what the PS5 looks like and it is like going to mm-hmm. be June, right? Yep. And so <laughs> like there 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 were I kind of as a as a upset at what I was of wanting to know what's going on with PlayStation every time, you know, we we got big news on on Microsoft side. I I think it's kind of smart of them to to hold their cards close and when they next week I think we're we are going to like they said there's an hour 
right? Like that's a good chunk of time. You even think of like it is, yeah. a direct presentation is usually half an hour maybe at the most. Yeah, roughly. So this is going to be filled with a, I think it's going to have a lot of just generic trailers for games that we already know about. Um, and, but I, I just, man, I think it's going to be good. <laughs> at the end of the day, I think we're going to mm. walk away impressed so i think so too yeah Yeah. um yeah really looking forward to it me too i i keep thinking like it was so funny because like when xbox series x was talking about all these features and and everything like that and seeing all the studios they've acquired i'm like man i think i i am going to continue with just jumping jumping straight to xbox at the start of this generation just like i have for the last two but I, I burned myself this last generation of getting an Xbox One, and I, I told myself, no, I'm getting a PS5. But I like, I yeah, I'm just like, I'm I'm so interested in seeing what they do. Like, can they continue this success that they've had into this generation? That's the biggest question I have for them. And I think just looking at launch games and how they're starting off can really, that is like the biggest impact that these companies like face right like they however that goes can really determine the roadmap for them not all the time right we, like microsoft has recovered from but it took a while for them to get there right like it will be interesting to see um so yeah you guys can expect us to have that episode up pretty pretty sure we're gonna record i think the plan is to record the same day that that airs and then we'll have that episode up the Friday morning so you guys can listen to what we think and then we can talk about how wrong or right we were on our predictions. But <laughs> All right. Well, let's move into... Uh, yeah, I guess we're running pretty long, but uh, let's just quickly talk about what games we've been playing. Um, so I'm just going to go first just to kind of quickly get these because I only got two games to talk about. The first is Predator Hunting Grounds. I mentioned that I got it a couple weeks ago. And after I got it, I actually wasn't able to play it. Um, I, not that I wasn't able. I just didn't really play it for whatever reason. I played a couple matches and then I stopped for a couple weeks. And now I picked it back up again. And I really, really like it. Uh, the... For, I'm sure at this point everyone knows there's a fire team of four people and then one person plays as the predator. So I played one match as the predator, but I've been primarily playing as fire team, mainly because the queue time to get in as a predator is like, I think for that one, I had to wait nine minutes. <laughs> and uh, for fire team, it's usually about 30 seconds to a minute to get into a match. Oh, wow. So like, it's much easier to get into fire team and i find that the gameplay is like i like the loop better um it's it's challenging right so the game's really fun uh you basically as the fire team you have objectives that you need to complete you have a time limit of completing them as you kind of complete them i think your last objective is going to the evacuation point um where you call in the the chopper. You have to basically fend off waves of enemies and the predator. And then once the chopper gets there, you get on, and then you are successful. So 
basically when you're completing these objectives, there's a bunch of AI soldiers that you have to come, come into contact with. And, uh, they're not very challenging. There's some heavy AI soldiers that like are a little bit, they take a little bit more damage. So you got to really put the bullets in them (laughs) in order to kill them. Um, and these camps that you are completing the objectives at, they have alarms. So you have to disable the alarms. Uh, sometimes you'll see a guy that is running to alarm to go and alert. Uh, basically when alarm goes off, reinforcements come in. Not only is it a big sound indicator for the predator to like if they're having a hard time finding you, it obviously indicates where you are, but then you have all these more soldiers that are coming in to kill you. So that's where the challenge sometimes comes into play is like when, especially near the end of the match where you've completed all these objectives and you're just waiting to to basically get the chopper in, you know, you can, you know, depending on what map you're at or where, how the environment's laid out, it can be really challenging to fend off the enemies and, uh, you know, when you have predator also <laughs> attacking you. Um, so that, that it's pretty fun. Uh, I like the loop of it. The, the fun really comes into the anticipation of when the, where the predator is coming from. And, you know, you hear his little click, click noises and you can hear him running. Um, he like pounds his feet as he's kind of running. Um, and so, yeah, I, uh, I really, I really like it. It's definitely a buggy game. The frame rate is not great, uh, which is kind of important for a first-person shooter. So if that, if it had a better frame rate, the game would be much, much better, I think. But um, yeah, and then in terms of playing for as Predator, I've only played like one match, so I can't really speak to to that. But as you kind of level up your Predator, you unlock different weapons and abilities that kind of help you uh basically the easiest way to kill the enemies is when they're kind of in a enclosed space um or kind of trapped in trees or something like that when when they're in the wide open um it's a lot more difficult right because you don't have cover if you have like four people shooting at you it's a lot you're gonna die a lot quicker if there's no place you can go but um yeah the Traversal as Predator is pretty cool because you can basically jump from branch to branch and uh, yeah, it's pretty much all you don't even need to press a button really to to jump to another branch. You can you can press X or you can just kind of run off a branch and it'll automatically, you know, point you to the next tree that you can uh, jump on and stuff. So I'm having a lot of fun. I would be a lot funner if I had uh, friends with mics to play with. Cause I've been just playing with random people. So if anyone wants to hit me up on PSN, I'm cats on tacos, uh, add me up and we can play some predator hunting grounds on there. Cause I would love to have some people that, you know, cause it, I've been playing with some people who had mics, some people who didn't. And yeah, it, it you know, the communication could really help when, because a lot of times I or another person would get attacked by the predator and the other two people are kind of not really far away, but they're behind a building and they're not seeing what's going on. So that communication is really important for success. So uh, yeah, I really love some friends to play with on that one. And then my last game I got was this indie horror game called Infliction. 
and this game uh i saw a press i got a press email probably whenever it released i felt like it was let me just look it up it was like a couple months ago and i is if you've listened to the show before you know that i love horror games specifically first person horror games and i saw this and i'm like okay it looks like an unreal engine for first person horror game a little generic but let's give it a shot so i picked it up and it's basically a game and that from what I found, was developed by one person. It's the typical, you're home alone. Uh, it deals with a lot of uh, stuff that's like, is this real, what I'm seeing, is it not? It is taking a lot of inspiration from PT. Uh, did you ever play PT? I did. Okay. Yeah. So, like, you know in PT, when you were walking down the hall and then there's the light um, that's hanging by, like, a chain and it's, like, swinging... Mm -hmm. Um, at one point that literally is in the game. (laughs) Like there is this upstairs portion. You're walking down the hallway to go downstairs and this light is on a chain and it's swinging. It almost has the same sound effect. Um, it, it basically you're in this house and, uh, you, it's your house. You come home, all the, the, everything's dark. You're kind of, you can interact with pretty much everything in the environment. You can open every drawer. You can pick up pretty much every object you see on the counter and kind of inspect it or whatever. So you're exploring this house and then you kind of, again, I don't want to spoil it in case anyone does want to play this indie game, but it, uh, it kind of makes you, uh, that PT of like when you open the door at the end of the hallway, it goes through and it back to the beginning, right? It's that cycle and that loop. It has a similar idea to that so that's why i'm saying like this game is heavily inspired by pt someone's like i really like that i'm gonna make my own version of that so um but it's not anything that is really notable other than that if you're just looking for a fun horror game if you liked pt and you like horror games this can provide a little bit of entertainment for probably like four or five hours and that's that it's not doing anything original or unique in my opinion um some of the the scares are not really that scary. Other times they are. So it's there's no real like level or standards when it comes to the horror aspect of it. So yeah. But anyways, it's a fun little horror game that I picked up and tried out. So that's that. And that's it. That's all I've been playing the last week. Well, and a little bit of Assassin's Creed, but I've already talked to that. So. <laughs> Um, so I've been playing a lot more of the same, uh, playing through control. And I think, uh, I was talking to you, I think I'm, I'm getting pretty close to the end mm-hmm. now. Um, again, it, not, not spoiling anything, but, um, it, I really liked what, what I've played so far. Nice. Um, I am kind of looking forward to it ending though. Like not, not <laughs> so much in a way that it's, it's not fun, Yeah. but it's just, I, I kind of just want to advance the story at this yeah. point um <clears throat> i am still reading most of the <clears throat> the uh logs that i pick up i'm still reading through okay, the majority yeah. of those uh there's some some pretty neat stuff to be found in, in there um and yeah just like the the exploration like it's i was i wasn't sure what to expect like when i was hearing reviews and stuff and people always talk about like 
the sort of drab concrete architecture and all that. And um, it's not as bad as I thought it was going to be. Like it actually was done pretty well and areas do feel varied enough that like, Mm -hmm. I don't just feel like I'm in a concrete slab the whole time. Like um, there's some pretty interesting little uh, areas that they throw in there. And plus the, the way things kind of, kind of shift around in areas like um, they, they did really really good um the the lighting that they did in the game was really great which totally pairs perfectly with ray tracing um so i had an issue i think i talked last time with my computer yeah where i was having some crashes and stuff and and i ended up swapping out my graphics card again and in the process i did get an upgraded version so i now have ray tracing back in my computer which i'm really excited about um I figured out the crashing problem. It turns out it is it was a power supply issue. Um, so now at this point, uh, I, I have an old power supply that's running it now, and it's running fine. I have a new power supply on the way. The one I originally built my computer with, uh, the, this new one, I sent it back because it's obviously not working as intended. Um, so I'll be getting a newer permanent one here shortly. Hopefully it works, but... Um, this one I had in my old computer has been, been running everything just fine. So, um, glad for that. Yeah. No kidding. (laughs) So now with, with all the stuff I have in here now, this thing should be, uh, based on the specs I was looking at for the PlayStation five, this thing should be maybe a little bit more powerful than that. So, um, I should be able to play triple A titles in in really solid resolutions and and frame rates are the biggest thing because i'm reading a lot about how um these next gen consoles are going to be able to run 4k but at 30 frames a second right um but in in a lot of cases um i mean if i were to run the same game 4k i would probably end up somewhere around there Mm -hmm. uh, maybe a little closer to 60 but probably not by a ton so it should go at least head to head with the, the next gen consoles um, and, and uh, you know, maybe with some higher frame rates right. to, to boot. So, um, so I'm kind of looking forward to see, see what all comes out. Uh, I'm looking forward to the new consoles having ray tracing. I think it is really cool and not just, not just like a gimmick thing. I yeah. think it's actually a really neat uh, tech thing. So, um, but anyway, so yeah, I was playing through, uh, pretty close to being done with Control. Been playing some more Final Fantasy fourteen. Nice. Uh, been playing some Terraria. Oh, okay. uh, the, the the last update that they're doing for that game just came out. So uh, me and Steven and one of our friends we've been we've been playing that together um, over the past week or so. Um, so that's been pretty fun diving back into that. Mm-hmm. And uh, I started playing Minecraft Dungeons this week. That just came out. Oh yeah. Uh, couple days ago yeah um so that's that's been pretty fun it's it's uh it's minecraft diablo yeah and um it's definitely not as fleshed out as a diablo game right like it's it's neat that you can sort of yeah like in diablo games like you choose your class at the beginning and that's just you know you have your um, sort of uh, skill trees that that you put points into and whatnot unlock different things. Um, this one is more so like you do get like skill points, but it's based on like you you slot these points on your weapons. So each weapon you pick up 
um, has its own set of like characteristics or abilities that you can choose from. So like kind of modifications, there's up to three per weapon, but right now most of them only have like one, there's only one slot, but you can choose, um, usually between like two or three different, uh, perks to choose from. So one of them could be, uh, create a poison cloud, have, have a percentage to create a poison cloud when you attack an enemy, or it could be, um, you know, drain a certain amount of life when mm-hmm. you kill an enemy um, or, you know, uh, attack an enemy and your attacks or when you kill an enemy, there's a chance for your attack speed to, to go up. So basically you choose one of those things and then there's three tiers so you can level it up. But then like, that's it. As far as I know, you can't respec a weapon, but you you're constantly getting new weapons. Mm-hmm. Um, so you can, you know, you might find a new weapon that's, you know, either stronger or has better abilities. So you can start slotting points into that and you get one point per level. And and at first I'm like, well, why would I spend these points if I'm just going to get rid of the item, mm-hmm. you know, in a couple minutes or in the next level or something? But uh, you can destroy an item, which gives you a little bit of currency that you can use to craft new uh, weapons and, and uh, artifact items. And you also get any skill points that you put into that weapon back. So you can then put that into your new weapon. Uh, the only part, the only time you'd have to be really careful about that is if you have a weapon that like, you're not sure that you want to give up, but you really want to try out this new one. Mm-hmm. Like you might be without, you know, a couple points until you really decide which one you want to stick with. Or if you're, uh, rotating between certain weapons, like, okay, I'll use this one for a little bit, but then I'll probably come back to this one a little bit later. Um, then obviously you don't want to, you know, destroy that and you might just not have as many points while you're, you're using multiple items. Yeah. Um, so you have a melee weapon slot, an armor slot and a, uh, a bow, uh, like a slot for a bow. Um, and then you have three slots for what's called like artifacts. So these are these are a little bit more like unique abilities um, or like active abilities. So you can activate an artifact that'll give you like an instant heal, but only if you have um, the the ability to, to to cast it, which is they, they call it souls. So when you have a uh, an artifact that uses souls, you get them by uh, attacking enemies. And there's like a little meter. Uh, down at the bottom of the screen. So that'll kind of let you know like how many charges you have of that item. Oh, okay. Um, so so you may only be able to use it as long as you're keeping stocked up on like these souls. Um, yeah. But there is one that I have that gives me like an instant heal um, that has a really short recast time. The only thing again is I just have to make sure that I have the resources to use it. Um, there's one that will boost your movement speed for a short amount of time. Uh, there's one that will boost my attack speed for a short amount of time. There's one that'll turn my next arrow into like a rocket shot. So it'll go like I fire and it does large amount of damage to an enemy, but then it also has like an area of effect where other enemies will take damage if they're nearby. Um, So, so there's a lot of neat stuff like that. There's one that you can create like a shield around yourself to absorb some damage. Um, So there's pretty wide range of, of sort of like builds that you can create for yourself. And um, I'm looking forward to seeing a little bit more. Um, the, the first couple levels that you played through, there's not a lot of variety. Mm-hmm. Uh, but now that I'm a little further in, I am seeing more variety in the types of uh, 
weapons and armor and artifacts that I'm receiving. So, um, so that's pretty nice because the, the first couple levels were a little, uh, they, they just felt really plain because you're not getting anything really that interesting. So, um, there are multiple difficulties for it. Uh, so each, before you go into a stage, you can sort of, uh, <clears throat> you can sort of adjust the difficulty based on, you know, if you wanted to, uh, go into a stage where enemies are much higher levels, you know, you might get better gear out of it or, or higher level items in return. But then of course, you know, the enemies are going to be a lot tougher. So, um, the chances of you dying might be a little bit higher if you don't have like friends to go in and play with. I've only played by myself so far. Um, but like, even with that, like I've had a pretty good time. I definitely think it'd be more fun with more people. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, it's pretty enjoyable. Yeah. I mean, it, it's definitely like a, a scaled down version of Diablo, but it's, it's, it's fun. Like it's, it's fun enough. Um, I'm enjoying my time with it. So nice. Yeah. I, I have it downloaded and wanted to boot it up before we recorded. Um, so I could give some impressions too, because it is a game I want to check out, but I fortunately haven't been able to do that, but I'd totally be down to playing together. Cause, uh, yeah, if, if, if it's one of those games that is, is fine by yourself, but also could be fun with online, like mm-hmm. that would be, that would be awesome. Um, so maybe we'll have to look look at doing yeah. that. Yeah, I'd be interested in that. I've been playing it on PC. Oh, is there but is there cross? I, yeah, yeah, I would I, I assume there so because be. it's it's a first party. I, I, yeah, uh, game. I know when me and Steven were playing Sea of Thieves, we played. He was playing on PC. I was on Xbox. Yeah. So I mean, if that was able to do it, I, I would think this game would be able to do it too. Well, let, let me look it up right now. Minecraft Dungeons, because it also released it on PS4 and. Uh, switch right i'm pretty sure um that i'm not sure of i think so at least ps4 i'm not sure about switch oh, it makes sense if it... the not no minecraft dungeons is not crossplay launch the lack of crossplay at launch means it's impossible for ps4 xbox one pc and nintendo switch players to enjoy minecraft dungeons together through multiplayer but huh. that is something that can maybe be added down the road but it's such a bummer when they can't make it for launch yeah yeah hmm oh well but at any rate i am going to check that game out because everything you've said uh, sounds interesting to me and i always like i was so interested in then like taking this ip of minecraft a game that's like focused on either creating or survival and making it uh like a completely different genre right the fact that Mm -hmm. it is a dungeon crawler and i haven't played a a dungeon crawler in a long time they're not typically a genre that i you know gravitate towards but from everything that i saw in dungeons when from when it was announced to to release i'm like yeah that looks cool i want to play that and the fact that it's on game pass is like of course another win right that's awesome yeah cool all right um do, do do Before we get to question of the week, I did want to just, I know, uh, how are you doing for time? Do you need to get going here? I was going to do the fantasy critic and just do an update on that and then. Oh, um, I probably need to try and wrap things up. Yeah, no worries. Let's do question of the week. And uh, last week we asked you guys, what is your favorite, all-time favorite cheat code? So uh, 
our friends Garrett and Steven were the only responses this week. So uh, Garrett says on Twitter at LP Panther, perfect grind and the manual balance in the Tony Hawk Pro Skater games. You could extend your combos nearly infinitely with those codes enabled and made it for some insane high scores. I'll just jump to the, the case right now. That is my answer as well is perfect <laughs> grind and manual balance in Tony Hawk Pro, uh, Tony Hawk games in general. I remember when I was a kid, I once did a lip trick uh, with perfect grind uh, your lip tricks you can also hold them for as long as you want I did that in the morning before I went to school and I left my game running the entire day and when I came <laughs> home it was still in the lip trick and my points were still going up and it was at like some insane number like it was in absolutely insane and yeah so I don't know why I did that, but I was also a kid. So I guess that's explanation enough. Um, at Lord's, Lord, Lordly King, King's Dot. Um, is that, Lord, Lordly King S Dot. See, if the S was capitalized, he needs to capitalize this. Stephen, if you're listening, you got to capitalize it for me so that I don't mess it up to this still to this day. Uh, Stephen says, way back when I was bad at Baldur's Gate and needed them, full or free full hills uh he literally put in the code it's c-l-u-a console uh colon enable cheat keys then control r (laughs) (laughs) so i think that's hilarious that he still has the command memorized um adam what is your favorite cheat code so i have two answers for this uh my my first one is the konami code up up down down left of right course, left right yeah. ba uh start and that's that's just because it's it's such an iconic yes. code uh but my like personal my favorite ones were like anytime i would play like doom or a game like turok is uh do like god mode with all the weapons unlocked oh, infinite yeah. ammo yeah. and just go like steamroll everything um uh, that was always a lot of fun for me because there was no other way I could play through those entire games like as a kid and even now as an adult like I might find it challenging to play through games like that so having that that ability and just just getting the best stuff right away and just like annihilating yeah. anything in my path like that was just that was always a blast I remember doing that like having the cheat I think there's a cheat code in golden eye where you can have the golden gun through the entire game or whatever oh yeah so you could obviously mm-hmm. have it in multiplayer but that was great because it's just like boom and just hit yeah. like literally one shot one kill all <laughs> these enemies yeah yeah that's awesome well thank you steven and garrett for responding to uh last week's question this week's question is obviously related to a topic of the show what is your prediction for the ps5 event so i'm going to get this question posted as soon as possible so that you guys can get those predictions out before the actual event and then when we kind of go over what we saw and talk about our predictions right or wrong we'll also talk about what you guys predicted so that'll be really fun i think um so you can respond over to the question of the week on our twitter page at games are fun pod or on facebook.com slash games are fun or you can email your answers to the email address contact at gamesarefunpodcast.com and that concludes this episode of games are fun adam where can people keep up with you i find me on uh, twitter and twitch at adam palooza 85 nice you can follow me at luke allen arm on twitter or on twitch.tv slash luke the llama i am planning 
I think on, I'll say on the next week's episode, but I'm, I'm locking it in so I stay committed to it. I think June 12th, I am going to start my replay of The Last of Us, and I think I'm going to stream my replay so you guys nice. can kind of jump in there, chat with me, and we can talk about whatever because it's I've obviously played the game, so um, I figure it would be easier to stream a game that I know what to expect from it. So you can expect that, uh, and I, like I said, I'll, I'll for sure give you times and stuff when we get closer to that date. So thank you so much. Make sure you follow the show on Twitter, like I said, at GamesAreFunPod or Facebook.com slash GamesAreFun for anyone who still uses Facebook, I guess. Uh, (laughs) And then, yeah, we'll talk to you guys next uh, Friday. So thank you so much for listening and see you later.